Hey guys, this is Pastor Josh from Fresh Church. We are so excited that you are joining us for our podcast today. I do want to tell you that we pray at Fresh Church that you would get involved in the local church in your city. The Bible says that those that plant themselves in the house of the Lord will flourish. And a podcast and an online experience, a YouTube uh, sermon is amazing, but it does not replace the local church, the hope of the world, the community, the family that God has placed all of us in. And so we hope you find that and we hope you enjoy this message today. Well, hey, uh, if I didn't get a chance to, to meet you in the lobby before service, my name is Stephen Bailey, and I get to serve as a student pastor right up the road uh, at LifePoint Church in Clarksville, Tennessee. It took us about 40 minutes to get here this morning, uh, and I'm here with my lovely wife. This is Crimson on the front row. Crimson, can you just wave at us? Yep. <laughs> Kindest and the sweetest woman that I know, and uh, man, we're so excited and really honored to be with you this morning. Uh, and I want to encourage you, after, after I get done talking, we, we're not the type of people that we like to preach and dip, you know what I mean? So we, we want to hang out in the lobby and just encourage you and, and pray for you and just bless you any way that we can. And so make sure you come up and find us, and we'd love to hear your story and just shake your hand and, and figure out uh, how God brought you here uh, to Fresh Church. So thanks so much. Thanks so much for coming. Um, I also want to honor just uh, just Pastor Josh for having me come and, and speak. I just man, everybody's just been so kind and so generous to us. And where's Matt at, man? Matt was uh, bringing me a cup of coffee this morning, and his car broke down, and he walked 25 miles. I, dedication, right there, servant leadership. I don't know how far. I don't know how that all worked out, but man, I'm so thankful for you and just for everybody on the team that's been so nice to us and and so kind to us. We're, we really appreciate it, and we're really uh, honored and, and glad to be here this morning. Um, just a couple things uh, about my wife and I. We actually just moved to Tennessee a little less than two months ago. So we are like brand new. We're still trying to figure out what hot chicken is. We're like looking for it, you know, just driving around. But, uh, but I grew up in South Georgia. Uh, I promise I can read, okay, or at least I can read <laughs> well enough to make my way to Tennessee. I grew up in South Georgia in the middle of nowhere. I'll talk about that here in just a couple moments. Uh, my wife got to grow up in uh, Paradise, uh, in central Florida, just kidding, it's like a swamp down there. It's just like gators, mosquitoes, and so that's where she grew up in Lakeland, Florida, home of the corporate headquarters of Publix grocery stores. So if you like Publix, uh, there you go, George Jenkins from, from Lakeland, Florida, I guess. That's like your claim to fame. It's better than my, uh, it's better than my claim to fame. I'm from Vidalia, Georgia. Um, you probably never heard of Vidalia. It's, it's okay. We're, we're known for our onions, we literally have a town mascot called Yumyun the Onion, and uh, my mom likes to brag about how she got to dress up as Yumyun the Onion one year. It's pretty terrible. Go home and Google it. Don't do it right now. Just Google it. It's literally a big onion. Like, that's what it is, and they're, like, really proud of it. But seriously, like, where I grew up, it was just, like, this small middle of nowhere town, and uh, when, when I was a kid, I think I was, like, 9 or 10 years old, there was this, like, rap song that came out out of Atlanta where, like, a lot of good rap songs are born, right? And I don't remember, like, all the lyrics. I probably, they're probably not even, like, appropriate to, like, say in a sermon. I don't know. But there was this, like, one part of the song that I'll never forget. It would go, A-T-L-A-N-T-A-G-A, that's where I stay. Anybody remember that song? Good. Okay, that's awesome. You guys are holy and spiritual and stuff. So I, I'm not going to rap it for you because you guys would boo me and never let me come back. But, um, but we found out when I was a kid that Vidalia, Georgia had the same amount of letters in it as Atlanta, Georgia, okay? So we were like super white and proud of where we were from. And so that song would come on and it would hit that part and we'd go, V-I-D-A-L-A-G-A, that's where I stay. Ah, 
left. Okay, and we get so hype on that song. And honestly, I think my mom was just trying to help me learn how to spell Vidalia. Uh, I think that was a part of it. But seriously, so it, I'm from this little town called Vidalia, Georgia, uh, and it is spelled that way. But if you're from there, you don't say Vidalia, you say Vidalia because you talk slow and hear different. And so, uh, but I'm from, I'm from Vidalia, Georgia. And like I said, middle of nowhere town, it's kind of like southeast Georgia. There's really nothing, nothing there at all. And we're the type of town that, you know, you hear about all the time. We got one red light. We had more than one red light, but, but we had like one McDonald's. Uh, we had like one Burger King. There was one high school. And there was really only like one place to shop, and it was a store called Walmart. Okay, anybody been to Walmart? Yeah, a couple of people. Hey, where are my Walmart people at? You're, just, you're like, I like Walmart. Three people, that's good. Where are my, where are my Target people at? Target? You're like, woo, yeah. My wife keeps targeting business, so thank you for supporting them. It's awesome. And uh, there was really only one store. It was Walmart. And I grew up, I remember when Walmart didn't have groceries. Anybody remember that? They weren't Walmart super centers. They were just Walmart. You can get everything there but groceries. And uh, as a kid, my mom, again, nothing to do in this town. Uh, and so she'd say, hey, do you want to come to town with me? Which I later found out only country people say that. Like, hey, you want to go into town? <laughs> you know, I guess because you live so far out. And my mom would say, hey, do you want to go into town with me? And I pretty much knew every single time that that was going to Walmart, all right? And so as a kid, I would go to Walmart. And my mom, I love her to death, but she was the type of mom to where if you weren't, like, paying attention, she would, like, fake leave you. You guys know what I'm talking about? Your parents loved you. You don't know what I'm talking about, okay? It's like when you're, like, looking at toys and your mom's like, hey, come on, and then you don't, and then she fake leaves you. Like, she's keeping an eye on you, but you know, you, in your head, you think, my mom left. And my mom would go to the front of the store, and they'd be like, Stephen Bailey, uh, your mother is waiting at the customer service counter. And I'd be, like, so embarrassed. Because when you're in a small town, everybody knows everybody. Everybody calls your friend. You don't need an invitation. You just, you guys don't know that song? Are we in Nashville? Okay. But my mom used to do that. As a matter of fact, we were at Target last night, and a kid that happens to, and I was like, that kid's going to be a preacher one day, and he's going to share this story, right? But I used to go to Walmart with my mom all the time, and, I, you know, when you're a little kid, you always follow your parent around, and you always ask her, like, Mom, can I just have that one thing? You know, like, hey, Mom, can I just have, like, one toy? Like, I don't want the whole toy department. I just want that, like, one toy. Or maybe it's like, hey, Mom, can I just have that, like, one piece of candy? You know, it's always just one thing, right? You're like, Mom, I just want this, like, one thing. I'm not asking for a lot. I'm just asking for this one little thing. And my mom, I remember she would never really get, like, annoyed with me, okay? But, but she would always just say, hey, you don't need that. You've got that at home. Dinner's ready. I'm cooking for you later. She never really was, like, annoyed by my request. And, and when you take a kid to Walmart, you know they're not going to act perfect all the time. Never. And my mom, she never really cared that I was on my best behavior. She only wanted, like, really one thing from me, and she wanted me to follow her and stay close, right? So she would say, hey, you don't need that. You don't need that toy. You got plenty of toys at home. You got plenty of snacks at home. Come on, just follow me and stay close. Why? Because people get kidnapped from Walmart. But really, my mom just wanted me to stay close, that I could stay out of trouble, so I can, that I can stay with her. And the reason I kind of like to, like to share that story is when I think about Jesus, and I think about what he wants from us, I don't think he's annoyed by our little request. I don't think he's annoyed by saying, hey, God, I want this. Can I have this? I, I think he looks down on us like my mom used to look at me and say, come on, I got something better for you at home. 
And, and my mom, when she would say, hey, I just want you to follow me and stay close, and really that's what Jesus is all about, you know? Like, I think we complicate it sometimes as a church, hopefully not this church, but the churches that I grew up in, they made it really complicated. Like, you've got to come to church, and you can't wear a hat, and you have to wear pants, and you can't have any tattoos, and you have to live this certain way, and you, you've got to read your Bible so many hours, and you've got to make sure you have a dedicated prayer closet, and you've got to make sure you're serving at the church every time VBS rolls through town. VBS is from the devil. I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't nobody like VBS. Listen, all VBS is is the Baptist kids coming from the other churches to your church. Y'all don't have VBS, do you? I hope, okay, because I was about to get kicked out. I'm really sorry. I should have checked. I should have checked on that joke. But in church, we complicate it, and we say you got to do all these things, but at the core of Christianity, it's just Jesus standing there and saying, hey, would you follow me? Would, could you follow me close? It's not about reading your Bible more. It's not about praying more. It's not about giving more. It's not about serving more. We complicate it and we add all these things. And don't get me wrong, those things are good, okay? It's good to tithe and it's good to give generously and to serve. All those things are great. But at the end of the day, Jesus would look at you and he would look at me and he would just say, hey, could you just, could you just follow me and could you stay close? As a matter of fact, when you read through the Gospels, and if you're new to church, let me kind of tell you what the Gospels are. There's four different accounts in the Bible of the Jesus story, okay? It'd be like if somebody came in from the background now and they just yelled something like, happy birthday, you know, I don't know. They could yell anything. Uh, there'd be all these different accounts of the same event that happened, but we'd all have our unique perspective. Some of you guys would focus, the temperature in the room was a very soft 68 degrees, if you care about that. And then others of you would talk about how the lights are a certain way. And others of you would talk about who was here. So everybody has this different perspective of some of the same events that happened in the Bible. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And as you read through the Gospels or the stories of Jesus, about 20 different times, he just goes up to someone and he just like unashamed, he just looks someone in the eye and he just says, hey, would you follow me? There's, there's not always a lot of explanation. There's not all these things, well, you have to get your life right and you have to do this. And by the way, do you have the right translation of the Bible? Like he doesn't go through all these things. He just looks at someone and just very simply says, would you follow me? Would you follow me close? As, as you go through that, if you look in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus tells Peter, Simon P Peter, he's a successful fisherman. He goes up to him, and, and Peter's just doing his work, and he says, hey, would you follow me? And then in Matthew, Matthew chapter 9, he goes up to, to Levi, the tax collector, and he just says what? Would you follow me? In Matthew chapter 10, he tells that his followers, he says, you need to take up your cross, and you need to follow me. John chapter 1, he calls Philip to be his disciple, and he simply says this, follow me. John chapter 8, Jesus encounters the woman who's caught in the act of adultery. He says, hey, stop doing that. Stop doing all this stuff. Would you just follow me? And then in John chapter 10, Jesus says that his sheep will know his voice and that they what? They follow him. 20 different times in Scripture, Jesus says, would you follow me? And you may be saying, okay, I get it. We're supposed to follow Jesus. What does it mean to follow Jesus? This is a question that I've been asking myself a lot lately. What does it mean to be a Christ follower? What does it mean to have a heart just completely after God? And kind of my working definition of this is that every single day when I wake up and as soon as my feet hit the ground and I take that first breath of just being awake, it's just this conscious decision to say, you know what, God? Every single thing that I do today is going to be conscious of what you would have for me. It's every decision that I make, and I have a really, I, guys, I really struggle with, like, bad drivers. I know that's, like, the, like, the eternal preacher joke, you know. But, like, seriously, like, I just really struggle with that. I honk my horn, like, way too much. 
Uh, I know, like, it's bad here. It's bad in Clarksville, too. But, like, that's something I'm struggling with. It's every decision that I make, every, every breath that I take is, a, is that I'm just following after Jesus the best of my ability. How do I do that? I'm reading my Bible. I'm praying. I'm relying on the Holy Spirit. I'm serving. Not in such a way that I feel like God requires this of me. Like, if I don't do this, he's going to be mad at me. But it's quite the opposite. It's because of his love for me, and it's because of his grace, and it's because of my story and how, and how he's changed my life that it makes me want to do those things. Not because I have to, but because I'm inspired to. And so following Jesus is just this simple thing of saying, God, no matter what I do today, I want to just do everything I can to follow in your footsteps. I want to love the way that you love. I want to speak to people in the same way that you spoke to people. I want to be full of faith like you were to where I can go around and I can pray for someone and and maybe they can find healing through you. It's every single day making that decision to follow Jesus in the best way that you can. And I'll say this. Unequivocally, the one thing that Jesus wants from you more than anything else is he says, I just want you to follow me, and I want you guys to follow me close. I know you guys are they're in this series right now, Closer, and, and I went back and listened uh, to Pastor, Pastor Josh and kind of listened to his message, and he says something that my pastor says from time to time too, and he says there's a difference between knowing Jesus and knowing about Jesus. And I think, I think there's a lot of people that go to church that know a lot about Jesus, but they still feel like there's, like, no relationship there. It's like, okay, I know all the scriptures, and I, and I know the Ten Commandments, and I've served at VBS. I know a lot about Jesus, but a lot of us don't know Jesus personally. And so what I want to do today is there's a passage of scripture. It's a, it's a popular story, and I want to kind of share it with you uh, this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to uh, the, uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18. We're going to be talking uh, verses 18 through 30. This is the story of the rich young ruler. Uh, before we get to it, I do want to say that this story actually shows up in three of the four Gospels. So it's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's not in John, but it's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And here, uh, this, the text just calls him a rich ruler, okay, a rich u- ruler. But in the other Gospels, um, it refers to him as a young man. So you, you may re- hear me refer to him as the rich young ruler, and you're looking at the Scripture like, I didn't know it had his birthday in here. Okay, it's in the other Gospels. Just for the sake of time, I'm not going to read the same story three times from three different accounts. But this is what it says. In the book of Luke, chapter 18, verses 18 through 30, it said a ruler, this is the guy, the rich young ruler, a ruler asked him, talking to Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And before we go any further, uh, this is, uh, the guy's heart is in the right place, but he's asking the wrong question. A lot of people do this. What, what can I do to get eternal life? Like, what can I do to get into heaven? Can I encourage you today? There's really nothing you can do except to follow Jesus. Jesus already did everything you have to do. So, so it's not a question of, man, Jesus, what can I do? Can I serve more? Can I give more? Can I pray more? And Jesus says, listen, I've already done all the hard work. All you got to do is follow me and believe in what I did for you. So this guy here, even in verse 1, He's asking the wrong question, but he does have the right heart. And because of this, Jesus kind of teases him a little bit. Uh, it's going to sound like for like a second that Jesus might be a jerk. He's not, I promise. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain it. But it says, verse 19, Jesus replies back to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. And in this part, Jesus, like I said, he's kind of toying with the guy because Jesus, he's already been traveling around in preaching and teaching. This guy would have already heard of Jesus. Why? He refers to him as a good teacher. In order to have a good teacher, you have to have what? Good teachings. 
So the guy would have already been familiar with Jesus. That's why he knows who he is. He goes up to him. He knows that he holds the keys to eternal life. So he already kind of knows what's going on. And so Jesus is kind of like playing with his mindset for a second. He says, come on, man. You, you know what you're supposed to do. You know the commandments. Don't commit adultery. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't lie and bear false witness. Honor your mother and father. By the way, Mother's Day is right around the corner. This is your friendly reminder, and Father's Day is right after that. So make sure you're honoring your parents. Awesome. Verse 21, the guy responds, all of these things I have kept since my youth. And I think a lot of us, like I said, fall in this category, which is you're like, man, I've done all those things. Like, I know the Ten Commandments. I've followed the Ten Commandments. I've never killed anybody, hopefully. Like, I've done everything I'm supposed to do, but I still feel like I'm lacking something. And Jesus says this, verse 22, when Jesus heard this, he says to the man, one thing one thing you still lack, and then he gives him some instructions. He says, sell all that you have and give it to the poor, distribute it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Come follow me. When my wife and I were dating, I used to tell her that I was rich, and she'd be like, really? And I was like, treasure in heaven. <laughs> Terrible pickup line, but it worked. That's all I'm going to say there. But he says this, one thing you still lack, sell all that you have, distribute it, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and then what? Follow me. It's just that simple. Now, when you look at this verse, I I didn't catch it at first, but my pastor kind of explained it to me one time. Jesus says, hey, there's one thing you lack. Do these two things, okay? So either Jesus is trying to show us something or he's not very good at the maths. Maybe he spent a little too much time in the temple, not enough time in school, okay? But that's not what's going on. He is good at math, all right? He's great at math. But he's, he's trying to show us something here. So he says to the man, he says, there's one thing you lack do these two things. That doesn't make sense. Let me explain it to you. He's saying, there's one thing I want from you, and he says it, I want you to follow me. There's one thing I want from you is to follow me, but at the same time, it's like a paradox. There's one thing that's keeping you from doing that, right? It's still one thing. So it's like, I want this from you, this one thing from you, but yet there's this one thing that is keeping you from doing that. And in this guy's case, the one thing that was keeping him from following Jesus What's his money? And Jesus says, I want you to do one thing, but this one thing is keeping you from doing that. And then he says, when he heard these things, verse 23, the man became very sad because he was rolling in it, is the Stephen translation. He was extremely rich. Verse 24, Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, he says, how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom. Those who heard it said, then who can be saved anyway? Like, man, if this guy's kept all the commandments, who can be saved? Jesus' response here, verse 27, now listen, he's answering the question that was in verse 18. So when the guy says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Remember we said it's not anything that man can do on our own. It's only what God can do through us. Jesus is kind of responding back to that question. And God, and Jesus says, God says in verse 27, he says, what is impossible with man is possible with God. In other words, you can't work your way up to heaven. Every world religion says this, if you work your way up, if you work your way up to God, if you do these things, if you find inner peace, if you do X, Y, Z, you can work your way up to God. Christianity is the only one that says God came down from heaven to us, all right? The Bible calls him Emmanuel. That's what we talk about around Christmas time. Emmanuel comes from Isaiah. It literally means God with us. So it's impossible for anybody in the room, myself included, to ever do anything deserving of God's grace in my life. 
That's what he's saying. He says, it's impossible with man, but with God, it is possible. Verse 28, Simon Peter, he's the guy we talked about earlier, uh, I believe in Matthew chapter 4, who was the successful fisherman. He pipes up and he says, hey, Jesus, we left our house and followed you. Like, what's going on? Like, we left our home, we left our businesses and followed you. Verse 29, Jesus says this, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left his house or his family or his parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and then eventually in this age to come eternal life and heaven. I love this passage because it shows, shows three things. The first thing it shows is God's desire to be in a relationship with us. Because Jesus simply says it, 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 it's again and again. He just says, hey, follow me. God desperately wants to be in a relationship with you. He doesn't want to be in a contract with you. When my wife and I got married, there was a marriage license, and there was some legal things that happened there, but I, I can promise you that we don't stay together because we signed a sheet of paper. Even though that's important, right, because I think we get some tax benefits on that, don't we? Okay. That's important, but what keeps us together is not the sheet of paper, but it's the relationship, okay? Jesus desperately wants to have a relationship with you. That's why I like this passage, because it shows that the heart of God is to have a relationship with us. Come follow me. The second thing, it shows that at, at the heart of man, our, our desire is to be in relationship with God. In the same way, the man goes up to him and says, hey, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? It's a flawed question, but the heart is there. What do I need to do to be in relationship with you? And the third thing is this. It shows the reality of how things can so easily get in the way of that connection between us and God. It's that one thing. The one thing for the rich young man was his money and his wealth and all of his stuff. And I want to be careful here because money in and of itself is not bad. It's actually neutral, okay? The, the, Bible, the Bible doesn't say the uh, money is the root of evil. It says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil is actually what it says. Uh, my wife and I are on the Dave Ramsey plan right now. Anybody else on the Dave Ramsey plan? Okay, two people, this is good. Uh, Dave Ramsey's from Nashville. Like, you guys need to look this stuff up. It's awesome. So, so we're, like, on the Dave Ramsey plan right now. And, and so the whole, the, anyway, the whole gist of it is you live and give uh, or you live like no one else now so that one day you can live and give generously like no one else can. And so there's nothing wrong with having, having money if you're, if you're doing it God's way and if you're generous to other people. But it's bad when you just keep all the money for yourself and you're not honoring God with it. Uh, my grandma used to say, say it like this, and you maybe you've heard this before. I don't think she came up with it. But she said, it's, it's okay to have things as long as things don't have you. That's how she used to say it. I want to make sure we point that out there. So my question for you guys today is what's the one thing for you? We're in this series closer. What's, what's the one thing that is keeping you from, from growing closer to Jesus? What's the, or maybe you're in the room today and you're saying, Man, I, don't, I don't follow Jesus at all. What's the one thing that's keeping you from following him? Jesus clearly identified for this man that the one thing that was keeping him from being in a relationship with God was his money. Can you imagine being in this scenario where you're the guy with all the money and Jesus is standing right there, like flesh and bones, right in front of you. And he's saying, follow me. If the guy would have followed Jesus, we, we would have 13 disciples. But he doesn't. Can you imagine being right there with Jesus and he's saying, hey, come follow me. All you got to do is give up your stuff. It's like my mom at the grocery store. Hey, don't worry about this stuff. I got so much better stuff for you. Just put that down. Okay, put it down. And just follow me and stay close. And the guy can't even do it. Because he cares so much about his wealth and his money. And you may be in the room today, and you may not be like this guy. You don't have millions of dollars in the bank. I don't. 
Uh, but maybe that one thing is, is something else. Or you know what? Maybe it is money for you. Maybe you have a great job and you've got all these resources and you're just like, you know what? I'm just not going to tithe. I'm not going to give God money. I'm not going to give to the church. You're not living generously. Or maybe for you it's not money. It could be anger. You're always angry at your boss. You're always angry at the people cutting you off in traffic. That's me. Uh, you're just full of anger. Maybe for you, it's, it's like I used to be, where I was just full of unforgiveness because of some things some friends and family members did to me, and I just couldn't get over it. Maybe it's your identity. You're just struggling with, man, why, why am I created? Why am I on earth? Maybe it's a relationship you're in that doesn't honor God. Maybe it's how you live your life on the Internet. What's in the way of you and Jesus? If Jesus were to walk in the, in the front door and he were to come in and he were to stand on the stage next to me and he would look you in the eyes and say, hey, I want you to follow me, but there's just like one thing in the way. What would he say is your one thing? And I wrote this down. Uh, I wrote this down that following Jesus always has a cost. Following Jesus always has a cost. For you, the cost may be giving up your wealth. For you, it may be giving up your career. Maybe God's calling you to do something ministry-wise, and you just keep fighting it because you're like, well, my degree's in business, and I'm making really good money. Maybe for, for you, you've always wanted to live in America, but you always feel like God is like just pulling your heart to go live somewhere else and be a missionary and tell him, tell other people about him. Everybody in the room, everybody has to give up something. There's always that one thing. Everybody's cost is different. But can I tell you this? The value is the exact same. The value is the same. My wife and I, uh, I'll st- I think I'll st- tell him uh, tell Matt before the service, um, my wife and I bought this Jeep, like, when we first got married. We, we went on a honeymoon, and we, our honeymoon, and we rented, like, this white Jeep Wrangler, and we just loved it so much. And we're like, man, when we got back, like, we bought this Jeep that we, like, couldn't afford, you know. And, like, we're driving. I think the Jeep is what led us to Dave Ramsey, really. We're like, this is so dumb. Like, we're making payments on this thing, but then it's still, like, breaking down all the time. I'm like, this is the, it's like a double car payment every month because I'm paying the mechanic my car payment, and then I'm paying my bank, too. So it's really terrible. So I, I want you guys to understand this. So I bought the Jeep at a cost. It was too much. Uh, not worth it. So I bought the Jeep at a cost, and then about six months later, we wised up. We realized we were paying too much for it, and we decided to sell the Jeep. Can I let you guys know that the value of the Jeep did not match the cost at which it cost? To the tune of about negative, I think it was like $8,000. That was like mostly repairs, honestly, because I had all this stuff wrong with it. But you never want that to happen. Like when you buy a house and you pay a cost for the house, your, your hope is that it's going to increase in value and you'll have something called equity. And so everything for everybody, there's a different cost to following God. But the value is the exact same. And it's always greater. It's always greater. The value of following Jesus is so much greater than the cost every single time. Again, it's like you're in the grocery store, and you're with your mom, and you're like, Mom, can I please, can I please just have the Snickers bar? You know, I just want this one piece of candy. And your mom's like, don't worry about that. I got something so much better for you at home. And in your head, you're like, but it only costs like a dollar. But at home, your mom's got this, like, whole meal prepared. She might even have, like, your best dessert. But you're so, I'm not going to say stupid, stupid that... You can't connect the dots that mom has got so much greater for something so much greater for you at home. The cost to follow Jesus 
it's different for everybody. It may be your career, it may be your money, it may be traveling, maybe you want to travel a ton, but God says, hey, I'd really love for you to support some other people that are going to travel on mission trips, whatever it is. The cost for everybody is different, but the value is priceless. Following Jesus was the greatest decision I ever made in my entire life, ever. I grew up in church, but I finally made the decision right about when I was 12 years old, and I'm going to kind of get to this uh, here in, in just a second. But following Jesus is completely priceless. If Jesus were to walk in today, what would you say is your one thing? Whoever my keys player is, if you could come on stage, that would be great. I want to share with you guys, uh, and I've never really like, told anybody, I guess this publicly, but I want to tell you what my one thing was. Okay, so I'm talking about what's the one thing that's keeping you from Jesus, the rich young man, uh, it, was, it was his money. Um. And I think there's a misconception here that, oh, if I follow Jesus, there's not a thing anymore because I follow him, okay? It's two-part. It's what's the one thing that is keeping you from following him if you're not a Christian? And maybe if you are a Christian, it's like, what's that one thing that's keeping me from growing closer to him? And so I mentioned earlier that I'm from, from Vidalia, Georgia. Um, I grew up like, kind of like lower middle class. Like, we didn't really have a lot of money. Like, we went to Walmart to buy, like, everything. And uh, not that there's anything wrong with Walmart, if that's you. But uh, grew up, didn't really have a lot of money. Uh, man, I, I could be here a long time if I told you the whole story, and I'm not going to. But, but both of my parents are high school dropouts. Uh, my sister uh, graduated high school. She was the first person in my family to graduate high school. Like my parents, my grandparents, cousins. My f- sister was the first one. And so I came along, and we just uh, didn't always have the best living situations. And I wasn't. Uh, anyway, I didn't come from this amazing family tree or anything like that. And for the longest time, I was just so proud that I made it out. You know, I uh, first person in my family to graduate from college, and then a couple years later, I went back, got my master's degree. And so I was in ministry, and I was just super proud of myself. I'm like, you know what? Like, you know, I, I pulled up my bootstraps, and I made it out of South Georgia. Praise God. And uh, some of y'all do think that is a miracle. And uh, for some people it is. But, but I, just, I just thought it was all about me. And I just thought, you know what? Like, I'm just better than people in my family. And I'm just, I, it was almost like I felt like I didn't need God as much because I had this, like, inner will that in my head. Like, I tricked myself into thinking that it was on my own strength that, that, got, that I got out of Vadea. And, um, and, I, and I was pastoring, I was a student pastor, and I just was kind of full of myself, and I just thought, people are going to come from all over the globe to hear my words, and they didn't. <laughs> and, uh, and I was just so prideful, and I was so full of myself, and God really humbled me. He really humbled me. I spent uh, about five years out of ministry. Uh, I was working in sales, and uh, I was serving at my local church, but I wasn't preaching. I wasn't doing anything. And I don't believe that God did that in like, sp- like to spite me or like, oh, this is your punishment. I don't think he did that at all. But he did it to get me to draw closer to him. He, he helped me remove that one thing of pride so I could grow closer to him. And, and I'm not lying to you at all, but um, <laughs> during that five-year period, I literally ended up working at this like summer camp for kids. And like I was, I scrubbed toilets. Like that was like my job. And um and I remember, like, looking for jobs and, and looking for ministry opportunities, and they just weren't there. And I'll never forget, I just got to the point where I said, you know what, God? I said, if for the rest of my life you want me to work at this campground and you want me to scrub these toilets, if that's what you have for me so that I can encourage these campers and I can encourage people, that is exactly what I'll do. And I really meant it, and I, and I still mean it. And I just said, God, if that's what you have for me, that's what I'm willing to do. 
And it was like this enormous pressure just came off of me to be like, you know what? I don't, I don't have to try to try to promote myself. I don't have to try to be somebody I'm not. I, at the end of the day, I'm just a poor kid from South Georgia that God decided to use. And once I, once I had that mentality, can I tell you something? I grew closer to Christ than I'd ever grown before. And, and through all that, the Lord's blessed me immensely. I have this amazing, amazing pastor. Um, some of you, if you're on staff here, you may have gotten to meet him, Pastor Mike Burnett. And he's so encouraging to me, and, and I love my church, and God's really blessed me. But it's not because of anything I've done. It's, it's actually quite the opposite. Like, God hasn't blessed me because of me. He's actually blessed me in spite of me. And he just continues to use me, and, and I'm, so, I'm so thankful for that. So I want to ask you today, once again, what is the one thing that is keeping you from either following Jesus or growing closer to him? There's a really good scripture in, in Romans chapter 8, verse 30, verses 38 and 39. You may have heard it before. It says this, it says, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come in the future, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God and Christ Jesus our Lord. I want to ask you this. As you can see in that text, there's nothing that would ever separate us from God's love. No matter what you're doing, no matter where you came from, even if you come from South Georgia, there's nothing that you could ever do that would separate you from God's love. So my question for you is this. Why would you put anything in your life that would separate your love towards God? If he doesn't allow anything to separate you, he's just going to love you no matter what. Even if you walk out the doors today and you cross your arms and you say, man, that guy didn't know what he was talking about. I don't believe in Jesus. God's going to love you the same today and tomorrow as he did yesterday. There's nothing you could ever do to separate yourself from God's love. So my question for you is this. Why would you put anything in your life that would prohibit you from loving and serving God with everything you've got? I want to kind of sum it up today and, and wrap it up. I just want to take us probably an exercise that's going to take about 60 seconds. If you've got a sheet of paper or maybe you've got a phone or something like that, or you can even do it in your head if you want to. But I want us just to take a moment, and I want you to think about, man, what is that one thing? What is that one thing that's keeping me from growing closer to Jesus? What's that one thing that's keeping me from following him? Is it a relationship? Is it some unforgiveness? Is it anger? What is it? I'm going to give us about 15 seconds, and I want you guys to, to think about that and pray about it. Now, with your one thing in mind, I want you to pray to Jesus and say something like this. Jesus, I don't, I don't want to be like the rich young ruler. I don't want there to be anything that would keep me from connecting with you and from growing closer to you. I'm not going to reject you for my one thing. I lay it down today. Change my life. I want to follow you. Everybody look up at me. I opened and I referenced it a couple times, being at Walmart with my mom. She was never bothered by my request. She never got annoyed with me. 
She never expected perfect behavior from me. But the only thing she wanted from me is to follow her and to stay close. And I want to encourage you today, no matter where you are in your, in your faith journey, maybe you're a believer, you've been going to church your whole life, maybe this is your first time. But Jesus would look at you and he would say the exact same thing. He's not bothered by your request. You can pray whatever you like. He doesn't expect you to always have perfect behavior. But at the end of the day, when all is said and done, what he wants from you more than anything else is to follow him and to stay close. I love the songs that we sang today. Uh, I thought it was so cool how, how it even talked about this. You know, Jesus, I want all of you and nothing else. Nothing else is going to stand in the way of, of God's love for us. So why should we let anything stand in our way of our love towards him? Thank you so much uh, for having me today. I'm, I'm